The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Johnny, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce as many people as we can to the universe of Star Trek by watching the most important episodes that deal with the lore, the history, and the timeless message of Star Trek. And boy, Matt, do we have one doozy for you all today. Definitely can agree with that, but you know what I want people to do? What's that, Matt? You know what the worst thing that they could do right now? Go leave us a review. That's the worst thing they could do. That's the worst thing? Yep. Well, I mean, I was thinking maybe they could just, you know, subscribe to the podcast or like us on YouTube or something like that, but leaving us a review is pretty bad, too. Brent. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's a trick. Oh, oh, is this the bit? Is this the thing? I've learned one thing from Odo. What's that? Humanoids have a distressing habit of doing the exact opposite of what's best for them. Gotcha. Well, since you guys are not leaving us a review and rating, you have time to listen to today's episode, which we are covering the 11th and 12th episodes of season four of Star Trek Deep Space Nine entitled Homefront and Paradise Lost, or as I like to call it, the changelings come home to dinner. Now, Matt, you have watched these two episodes for the very first time, my friend. Yes, sir. Talk to us a little bit about your overall thoughts on this episode, this two-parter Homefront and Paradise Lost. It opens a lot of doors and makes you wonder about a lot of things. And I mean, they don't necessarily make it out to be a super deep episode. Like they don't spend a lot of time just like, hey, here, here's an idea. Think about this because they got a lot of material to take care of. But man, oh man, do they give you a lot of things to think about. Well, we'll certainly get into a lot of those things to think about a little bit later in the show. And I can't wait to see what you have pulled out from this episode. But Matt, for me, I mean, the changelings are on earth. Yeah. The changelings are on earth. What more could you want out of an episode? The changelings are on earth. Holy crap. And it's a big episode for us this week. Uh, set of episodes actually. But Matt, I, I, before we get into anything, just a couple of sort of production notes from the beginning. Do you okay. remember back a couple of weeks ago when we did the adversary, which was the finale of season three of deep space nine, I told you then that they wanted to do a cliffhanger, but the studio got in the way and said, no, 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 don't do a cliffhanger. And then in the off season, they're like, Hey, do something to shake up the show. So that's when they brought in Worf and uh-huh. kind of messed some things up. Well, this show, this episode or set of episodes was what that cliffhanger in season three finale, season four beginning or premiere was supposed to be. They pushed it here to the middle of the season. This was that that story. It would have worked very nicely. Yeah. Uh, Now, a couple of changes that did happen, though, because obviously it's not exactly the same. Um, The changelings would have had a much bigger hand in Mm -hmm. the in the issue or, or in the story, nearly bringing the Federation to civil war, causing the Vulcans to actually withdraw from the Federation. Okay. Yeah. And the the cliffhanger point, like that end of that first episode, would have been right when a Starfleet ship opened fire on a Vulcan transport ship. Like that's what I mean. You you remember the season three finale, Best of Both Worlds, Part One, where Picard's been taken over as a Borg, and Riker looks at the Borg cube and says, "Mr. Worf, fire!" And then mm-hmm. it cuts, and you like don't know what happens next. Sure. Yeah. Like that. It's it would have been that same idea. Yeah. Um, 
However, that's not obviously where they went. The problem was because this episode was pushed to a mid-season two-parter and they pretty much blew their wad on the way of the warrior. Because you remember all those space battles that we saw during way of the warrior with the Klingons and everything like that. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any money for this episode or this set of episodes to make it as great as they wanted to. In fact, do you remember? I think this was actually in the second one when Odo is breaking Cisco out of the pokey and he's like taking down all the, like the three guards that are like right outside the door. And at one point he gives the girl like a Vulcan neck pinch. Yep. The only reason they did that, it's not that Odo had any knowledge of the Vulcans. They didn't have any more money to do any more effects. Well, you see, I, that's I, it. I was actually going to to make the comment <laughs> that I thought they used a lot of effects in this episode. Or they this, did this pair yeah. just with all the changeling stuff. Cause like every time they do that, they did it multiple times with Odo. They did it a few times with the other changelings. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's the most we ever seen really. And like, mm-hmm. it was most of it was like fully on screen. Mm-hmm. Like here you go. Someone's shifting, not right. like, Oh, we're going to make some sound effects and it'll happen off screen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we'll, we'll pan the camera back over and Oh, he changed. So like I I thought this was already more than we usually see on camera. I I, I mean you might be right that it, it really was, but at the same time they still were crunched. Sure. Like one of the like Iris Stephen Bear felt that they'd really messed up with these two episodes because of the budget constraints. One of the things was he didn't like how um they had to cut down on all the special effects, all the opticals that they had, including and this wasn't really a special effect, but all of the extras. Like you remember when they they start mounting the occupying force of Earth with the Starfleet people and you see like four four people. <laughs> like they couldn't they just couldn't afford more extras. Yeah. Like we can give you two for ninety bucks a day. That's it. Yeah. All they had yeah. the money for. And like and, anytime like they, they opened a door and there was supposed to be a crowd, like we were off to the side. So it like the doorway looked filled and mm-hmm. you know, you could see one person standing behind the two people in the doorway, but yeah, mm-hmm. past that, so, who knows? So, I mean, like Irish even bear hated it. So like, it just, it bugged him. It's like, I like this episode. I'll, I'll just say it straight up. I really enjoy these two episodes. Yeah. I don't have a problem with how they did it. I think the production staff, like they'll, they'll tell you they didn't like this episode, but I think it's because they had something in their mind that was so much bigger than what yeah. we actually got on screen. They, and they, they know what didn't happen. More, yeah. But they didn't get to, so they don't like it. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think I'm with you. Like, the, these are good episodes. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like they didn't like how Jerish Inyo, the the Federation president, came off. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he was great uh, personally. Um, but Iris Stephen Bear actually kept a note, like from this point forward, taped onto his desk that said, "Remember Paradise Lost," <laughs> which was you know just just uh-huh. remember all those things. So anyway, I uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are going into this episode now. I've got two quick character actor spotlights I do want to talk about for you real quick. Okay. The first one is Commander Benteen. She's the girl who winds up captaining the Lakota and everything like that. She's played by a lady named Susan Marie Gibney. Now, she was originally considered, or not originally, but she was also considered for the role of Captain Catherine Janeway. Obviously didn't get it, but she was in the running for that. They brought her into this. Now, Matt, you've never seen her before, or at least not in Star Trek. However, all of us Trekkies absolutely have. Matt. Okay. Do you remember in the the finale, the series finale episode of The Next Generation, when we went to the future, we did that time hop to the future and we met Jordy and old Picard's like they're walking through the vineyard and he's like, how's everybody doing? And Jordy's talking about his kids. And then he mentions his wife, whose name is Leah. Yeah. And I told you then I said, all, all I said was Leah, but that's a nod to 
a couple of episodes throughout the course of the series where Jordy developed this crush on a on an engineer of the Enterprise. Like this is a person who designed the Enterprise. Her name was Leah Brahms. Well, Leah Brahms was played by the same actress that we see here, Susan Marie Gibney. So Commander Benteen is Leah Brahms and was almost Captain Janeway. So I just want to make that connection for Trek fans out there like me. And Matt, you've at least heard of the character. Mm -hmm. And here she is now. Obviously, though, I think the biggest person that we got to talk about here is the patriarch of the Cisco family, Joseph Cisco, played by the great Brock Peters. Boy, when you talk about a veteran of the screen and the stage, Brock Peters is it. Matt, do you recognize Brock Peters at all? I can't put his, okay. his face to anything now. Uh, Brock Peters guy, he's been right. He started acting at the age of 10 and continued working right up until his death in 2005 when we lost him at the age of 78 to pancreatic cancer. Perhaps his most notable role, though, Matt, and I'm sure you've seen this film. I'm sure you've seen this film outside of Star Trek was in the role of Tom Robinson, who was the central figure of the trial in the film to kill a mockingbird. I maybe had to watch that in high school. Oh, you absolutely had to watch that in high school. I did like, I think it's a requirement that every American child has to watch to kill a mockingbird, uh, except for probably now, because there's probably some reason that they don't show it anymore. Uh-huh. But yeah. And if you haven't, you should go watch it. And I would, say that to anyone out there. If you have not seen To Kill a Mockingbird or at least read the book, go take care of that. I actually named my son. His middle name is Atticus after the the main actor there, Gregory Peck. Uh, his character was Atticus Finch, um, named him that. So anyway, that's probably Brock's, Brock's biggest role, but he's played in tons and tons and tons of stuff. Now, Matt, you've actually seen Brock uh, Brock Peters in Star Trek before. If you say so. I have. I, I do say so. He played the role of Admiral Cartwright in Star Trek four, the one with the whales and Star Trek six, the one where, you know, the Klingons become our friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a couple other things he's done. He's done a ton of work. I'm not going to list it all, but he did also lend his voice uh, to some familiar series and voiceover work. And I always like to point these out. Unfortunately, gargoyles is not one of them. <laughs> But he was in DuckTales. He was in the Wild Thornberries. He was in Batman, the animated series. And he also voiced Darth Vader in the Star Wars radio series, making him one of one of very few actors to to work in both the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises. Yeah. Side note, apparently I discovered during this particular research that James Earl Jones was somebody who was considered for the role of Benjamin Sisko. So Darth Vader, you know, James Earl Jones also did Darth Vader, like could it could have potentially been anyway, Matt, like I said, we we unfortunately lost Brock uh, several years ago at this point, 2007, but uh, man, he's just, he plays a memorable Joseph Sisko. And I'm sure we'll talk more about the character of Joseph as we go on. Or perhaps right now, because Matt, now's the time to talk about the episode, our new format. We're going to talk about the A plot. We'll talk about the B plot. But before we do that, let's start with specific character moments or plot points that you want to touch on. Matt, I'll turn the show over to you. What you got for us, buddy? Watching Homefront and Paradise Lost for the very first time. Well, I think I'll start with what you said. Yeah, Grandpa Joe. Yeah. We, we, we had just talked about this. Well, I, 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 I'm going to mess this up if it was in a regular episode or if it was the extra viewing episode. But we had a mention of Cisco's mm-hmm. and we're like, have you ever seen Cisco's? I'm like, nope. That's the first time I've ever heard of it. Right. And and here we are. I'm I, like, I don't think they actually mentioned the name, but I'm assuming that Grandpa Joe's restaurant is Cisco's. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I saw a sign anywhere. I don't think they mentioned the name. It's just like, like I said, they probably mentioned in the show enough that you assume, oh, this is. Um, so yeah, Grandpa Joe, mm-hmm. he is not in the best of health 
from what I understand, he has had most of his organs replaced. That's what they say. Which is interesting, but okay, sure, the future. Like I'm not, I, and part part of me wants to just think they're like replicated body parts. Sure, probably. Well, you remember? Like that, I, I mean, know. we saw Picard. Picard has a, a a mechanical heart. True. You know, so I think I think it's probably safe to assume that that's what's going on. Uh, with fair him. enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, he he's he's quite the character, though. I mean, I think he just fits into that family very well. Absolutely, and another great father son relationship mm-hmm. you know not perfect they get on sure. you know they they get on each other a bit that you know one disappoints the other but you know there's a moment when cisco hasn't been home in several days even though he's right there and he finally transports in and his dad's sitting there just folding napkins and he's acting all you know all mad he's like yeah can't even get over here for dinner what in the world well and his son oh, comes okay. over and like he just gives him that kiss on the head and says sorry dad it's been really busy but gives him a kiss on the head and uh-huh. goes to sit down like it, it's just it's such a great father-son moment that like even though they're perturbed at each other in that moment that's still the type of relationship it's just a great positive relationship there that, that that's something else i want to address though is mm-hmm. that he like expects him to come home for dinner mm-hmm. now correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. but cisco is in louisiana i guess well, well no no we know we knew it's in the french quarter right it's in, yeah it's in new orleans yeah yeah, yeah. And they're doing the bulk of their work in San Francisco, in San Francisco. And, and because Starfleet headquarters may be in San Francisco, but Federation headquarters and the office of the president is in, you would have only known it from the map painting, like in an establishing shot before they went into the president's office. Okay. There was a well-known monument right outside the window I called the Eiffel tower. Right okay. The Federation pre- office of the Federation president is in Paris on earth. Okay. So, so, so Paris, San Francisco, this is just something weird to wrap my head around, Mm -hmm, but it's awesome. Like, I mean, yes, it is awesome. I I, I will give you that, Uh but I'm used to like my brother and sister live out of state. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like assumed if they ever are coming back to Wisconsin for something, mm-hmm. you stop and see the parents. Like it only makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're in the same state, you stop and see the parents. So it, it's just a weird exaggeration of that to think in the future when transportation has changed so much mm-hmm. that, oh, you're on the same planet as your parents, you, you better come visit and not just come visit, you come home for dinner every, every night. night. Yeah. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. But right. I mean, the, the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, I guess transportation is kind of instantaneous and you can mm-hmm. teleport wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess you can do that. <laughs> like, is there a limit to how far you can teleport? Not across the globe. There's okay. No, you, you literally can pop in and out of wherever you want. But, but now I mean, we like, they, they, they can't be out at DS nine and just teleport back to earth. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, you know, you like, you can't even teleport like from, like, I don't think you can teleport from earth to the moon. Like that's, that's too far. You okay. can't go from earth to Mars, You it, but anywhere on the planet earth. Now, something we do see later, much later is people on earth. Like basically like think of like a, like a, like a magnetic scanner like you get like when you go to the airport or something Mm -hmm. like they just sort of walk through one of those only it's way super future looking and they just they blip out and reappear wherever you know they just tell them where they want to go hey i'm going to paris today all right and they shoot them over there so there is a little bit of hey whatever your location is you have to get to the transporter location and then from the transporter location where you're arriving like the bus station or the airport like you got to get it's like a train station 
destination. Yeah, yeah sure. You, you still got to get to where you're going from there. You, they don't just have personal transporters that they bleep in and out of. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you have a starship to work with. Uh, yeah, unless you have a starship in orbit that'll that'll go blop you down somewhere. Sure. Yeah, because I, I that's apparently something that happens later on too. But um, yeah, so I mean, th- th- that's just weird to think about. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I wish it could happen. Mm-hmm. I could just hey. Brent, we're recording podcast tonight. I'll be down and down to Florida in a minute. Yeah, sure. Like right. that'd be awesome. But right. like, hey, Matt, you um, want to record this? You want to come over and record this one with me, or you just want to do it over over the internet? Eh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Well, yeah. I order pizza. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but hydrate level four, please. <laughs> it's not always Harry Potter references on this show, folks. Yeah, yeah. The other character stuff I want to know, I think, is. Well, still revolves around Cisco a little bit. Okay. Two instances in particular. Mm-hmm. One, the when Nog comes to visit him, mm. and like he he wants to join the Red Squad. Yes. When he men- we mentioned the first time. Yeah. First of all, I mean, I, I I've kind of seen this before, but it was really brought to light again in this episode. Nog is super persistent. Mm-hmm. Like when he knows what he wants, he he knows what he wants and just kind of forces it on people when he needs help, mm-hmm. which there's something to be said for that because a lot of people just wouldn't even like approach Commander Cisco or Captain Cisco. Mm-hmm. But Nog's like, hey, no, I know you're the one that can help me. So here's what I want. Please, please, please. please. Like he like he doesn't say that obviously, right. but you know, he, he he's just the, that, that dog sitting there with puppy dog eyes. And it's like, I'm not leaving until you get me what I want. Well, it's a rule of acquisition, right? <laughs> Don't take no sure. for an answer. Yeah. Uh, but in, in this, it was kind of painful to see how hesitant Cisco was to say yes, mm. which I thought was kind of a weird quality that we don't usually see, but I think yeah. it's partly because of Nog's persistence. So like they they kind of play into each other. You know, I, I was watching that and I think I watched this episode, I don't know, three or four times in preparation for this particular show. And, and the last bunch of times I watched it, noting the way that Avery Brooks played that particular situation, I, I wonder how much of that was director led, how much of that was um, actor led mm-hmm. interpretation of the of the script, because the the lines themselves, the way Avery Brooks played it was oh, I'm really busy. I got other stuff to do. I don't really want to talk to him. You know, like Nog shows up and, and Cisco's like, yeah, we're just about done. Uh, and like, great. I'll hang out till you're done. And, you know, Nog eventually asks him and he goes, you know, Nog, I'm really busy here. Like, like he's asking, he's acting very frustrated and put out with, with Nog. Mm-hmm. And me was like, why are you talking to me about this? I don't really want to talk to you about this. Those same lines though, could be acted in, in a couple of different ways. They had nothing to do with that. Like actually Nog, we're just about done. Come on in. Like, you, you know what I mean? It could have been written. And I wonder how the writers meant for it versus how the actor did it. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't have to be annoyed and put out, you know, because this goes all like, Nog, I don't really have time. I don't really have time to do this. Like, yeah, I mean, the the, the way I I took it was like he didn't want to commit to helping Nog or he didn't want to make a promise he didn't know he could keep. Mm -hmm. Right. He he didn't want to get Nog's hopes up and then disappoint him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's why, like. He, he was trying to give him those non-committal answers. like, I'll, I'll see what I can do or that type of thing, as opposed to, 
oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll get you in there. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Which I, I mean, frankly, if Cisco has never heard of red squad before, mm-hmm. if I'm in Cisco's spot, I'm going to be like, I need to find out more about red squad before I recommend you for it. Well, because yeah, it, I don't know if you're right. But then like, why I don't know if it's right. For you. Tell Nog that. Like that, th- yeah. that's what, that's where it gets weird. Yeah. Well, you know, men <laughs> communicate, right? Sure. Sure. I mean, ultimately though, ultimately what we needed was we needed Nog talking to Cisco about red squad so that we could circle back to mm-hmm. Cisco pulling up Nog to out who the members of red squad are for later. Well, in the episode. That's that, really what that is. That's where right? I want to go with this next Okay, is that, that scene where, where he pulls Nog back and mm-hmm. eventually gets into cadet shepherd. Right. But that I like, I don't know if this is new Mr. Brooks. I, I, I got a new haircut, Mr. Brooks, uh-huh. or if it's just what this scene called for. And so they let him do it or whatever, mm-hmm. but I like this Cisco. Yes. Yes, you do. He's amazing. Yes. Like when, when he, he, you know, not okay. You're here. I'm, this is not a request. Like it, it was very firm, very in command, but not like over the line. Like we're not going to be friends after this or anything like that. It's just like, no, you need to tell me now. And then when, when he gets cadet shepherd in there and he, when he, it's the way he's working with him and the force and the presence. And it was all so good. And if this had been like Cisco from day one, I think I'd like him a lot better. Yeah, but we I don't agree. see this very often and maybe we'll see it more going forward. I don't know, but I like this Cisco. I'm glad to hear you say that. Matt. I'll look to my left and take a drink now though. <laughs> but yeah, th- th- those are the major, ma- major character things that I wanted to bring up. Okay. I got a couple, I got a couple of other ones. These are maybe sure, sure. a little more light though. Um, Dax moving all of Odo's stuff around his room. Is she really? <laughs> But like, I, cause I, I, I wasn't sure. Like Oda was so, so, so convinced it was her. And I'm like, really, what, what, what do you have against Dax? I've never seen you two get into it. And like, I, I, I've never really seen Dax as like a prankster either. Well, that, I mean, that'd be the Curzon that's left in her, right? I suppose. You, you, I mean, whatever it is of Jadzia just didn't have her own personality, mm-hmm. but I mean, also Curzon, the, the thing that gets me is he says she does this three or four times a year, which means <laughs> this has been going on for quite a bit longer than the time that Jadzia met Curzon and Curzon got linked up with Odo. Because to me, there, there's almost a little bit of, Hey, remember that time when Curzon like got into you and you guys sort of became one for a while. And I've like reabsorbed it. Like that sort of bonds people into it, you know, like they're a little closer now. And so she's sure. just messing with them. Like she just, she's just playing with them because she knows it's going to get in his, under his skin, mm-hmm. but she, she knows how to, how to really get at him because of that experience. I don't think timeline, it works out like that. This is entirely out of character for Jadzia. And a lot of people actually take issue with the, the idea that Jadzia does this because it's so outside of character. I just think it's hilarious. Well, like, it's if knowing that it is actually her and that's how they wrote it. Like, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. I'm okay adding that side of Jadzia to her to her character. Yeah. Like, fine. That's yeah. fine by me. I I just would not have expected it. And I thought Oda was kind of crazy in the beginning. Like, yeah. dude, Oda, what are you talking about? Yeah, and it's it's really one of those things. You go back and rewatch Deep Space Nine from the beginning and you see Jadzia and you see like how stiff she is and honestly how boring and, and how whatever. Mm-hmm. But we know like we know how independent and strong and joking, uh, you know, humorous Jadzia really is. And it, you just, it's, it's amazing to watch how that particular character has transformed over time. And there's still a couple other aspects about her that 
I think maybe you know but haven't been solidified that will get solidified here over the coming over the coming sure. seasons. I'm I'm excited for you to get that. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jadzia. Uh the the other one I just want to point out, I know I've mentioned it to you before that O'Brien and Bashir have formed this this very much a bromance and we got yeah. a great scene so, from so it here. These things don't surprise me anymore. Yeah. When two guys walk into a bar in costume, I'm like, I know who that is. There you go. <laughs> Talking all weird from the battle of Britain and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, having a drink to celebrate their man, Clive. For whatever reason, it has never fully occurred to me that O'Brien is Irish. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Miles O'Brien could easily be an Irish name and sure. like he does have some sort of an accent and like, but he, they made a big point of it here. And, yeah. and like, yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, I think it was when he asked Odo, like say hi to his folks or something in mm-hmm. Ireland. I'm like, right. okay. Yeah. So Cole Meany, the guy who plays Miles, is it actually is Irish himself. And the voice he speaks with, with a name like Colm. Sure. And the 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 voice he speaks with actually has a slight like like that's his regular voice. He's not putting on an accent. Oh yeah. Like yeah. it has a slight Irish accent. So when he's doing this particular scene where that Irish accent is like rampanted up, mm-hmm. like that would be like me speaking with a, a hillbilly accent. I'm from Kentucky, y'all. Uh, speaking with an a, a pronounced hillbilly accent, which I could I could turn on. I won't do. Yeah. It, like I, I'm I, I picture it's called me just like playing his uncle or something right like th- this is right. how my uncle talks right right yeah i'm sorry folks i'm, I'm not going to do the kentucky accent for you all right uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about my uncles and my dad and <laughs> no but yeah so so that's that's and if you listen to him like regularly there it's a it's very slight but it's very much there um, yeah and, and i think that's why i never really thought about it mm-hmm. it's just like yeah that's his voice okay but then like when he dropped out of the very thick accent mm-hmm. that he was putting on for that character that he was playing, mm-hmm. like then I was listening again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's his normal, vo- normal O'Brien voice. And I, I can still hear an accent. Okay. I got it. Like it, it all makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then Bashir, obviously she, being from England, uh, you know, they have the United Kingdom bond, the battle of Britain, all that. Sure. but yeah, definitely the bromance that we see between they're about to break the glasses and Quark's like, stop. You know, I, I, I want to know how many times they have broken the glasses. <laughs> it's like, right. remember what I told you about breaking glasses. Right. And I'm pretty oh. sure like I'm, I'm 95% sure we actually saw them break glasses at one point. I believe and, it. Like yeah. Quark freaked out. And this is, this is a reference back to that. I don't remember exactly where it is, but I, I do think it's all right. So I got, I got one more that I want to talk about before we get out here. I, I need to know the rest of Quark's and Dorian joke. <laughs> I'm sure it's highly inappropriate. Absolutely. But I is. need to know the rest of Quark's and Dorian joke. That's not his antenna. The uh-huh. antenna. I need That's to know exactly the rest what of the they joke. want you to think. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's network TV though. Yep. Yep. And I just, I want to know. All right, Matt, uh, you got anything else you want to talk about here as far as specific plot points or, or character things? Well, what do you want to tackle? You want to tackle the a plot or the multiple B plots that we have in this episode? I, yeah, I, I struggled with B plot. Like I think I had a little bit more in the first episode. Mm-hmm. It was like, like I marked it as when they were down at Cisco's basically with grandpa Joe. Yeah. I, I got, it's, it's Joseph not doing what he's told. And then it's Nog, just Nog wanting to join red squad. Oh, that's true. You know, and they yeah. all sort of wrap in together by the end of the, the, the thing, which is what you're supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. great story writing when it all wraps in together. But those, those are really the two that I had. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, 
the, the nog thing i i don't think there's a whole lot to discuss let, let me ask you this did you know did i tell you in a previous episode that nog is now at starfleet academy i knew that somehow okay because there's or, an or like I, I i very much knew he wanted to go uh-huh. i think i knew he got accepted or whatever mm-hmm. and then I, I i think yeah maybe at the end of one episode you're like okay now you need to know that you know he's actually there like mm-hmm. we won't see him again for a while. Yeah. So, like that, but. so there's a, there is an episode that actually I'm going to give this to you as extra viewing later. Cause I think I missed this altogether when we did way of the warrior and the visitor, there's an episode here in season four called little green men when maybe I told you this offline. I think that might've been it, Matt, but it's an episode say, called, yeah, I, 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 that sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. It's, it's a Ferengi episode. Quark and Rom bring Nog to earth to attend Starfleet Academy. And when they get there, they wind up going back in time to like 1969 oh, yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. We talked about this. And it's, it's really funny. It's a mm-hmm. great episode. It's super, it's super funny, but um, that's when Nog goes to Starfleet Academy. So this is, and this is a couple episodes later. I think they said he's been in the, in the Academy for about a month now. So yeah, it was still pretty, pretty new, but he's been there for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, like we said before, like Nog Starland was really just to give us the introduction to Red Squad and give Cisco a chance to investigate further. Mm-hmm. But, and it, and it also makes sense. Like we're going back to earth. Nog's going to be there. Yeah. You know, it might be a little hokey that he's getting the tube grubs from, from Cisco's father. Maybe a little bit, but I, I, I could see that happening easily too. Well, I honestly, I think the way I see it is, is Jake called his grandpa and said, grandpa Nog's coming and this is something he really likes and nobody on earth is going to get it. Can you well, figure yeah, out? Yeah. I mean, e- either that, yeah. or I think grandpa Joe is going to know or understand that Nog is Jake's best friend. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it, it, if I get this kid the food he wants, then he'll come here, which will give Jake more reason to come here. Like that, that seems like a very grandpa thing to do. Makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, I, like I said, I don't, I, I don't see that being a problem. I I can easily see that happening. Mm-hmm. So Nog wants to join the red squad, by the way, red squad cadet Qu- cadet training squadron 47. I missed that. It's their official name is cadet training squadron. 47. Did they mention that in this episode? They sure did. Shoot. I missed that one. I, 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 I was listening early on Mm -hmm. when the bomb went off Yep. and they said there were 27 deaths. Like, Oh no, we missed it. Yeah. Missed it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. However, however, just, just to complete the 47 references, there's one more in this episode when speaking of which, when cadet training squadron 47, AKA red squad went and completed their mission. Remember they're the ones that knocked out all the power to earth. Mm -hmm. They sabotaged the power relays at 1947 hours. Awesome. Because why not? So the grandpa Joe storyline though. Yeah. Let's talk about that. We've already discussed like his health and stuff. So I'm not too worried about that, but Later on, we said like he starts playing a bigger role in, or they start to tie him into the main plot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the, like taking the blood tests. Like he gets arrested because he won't do it. Right. I thought arrested was kind of strong because they were still like at his place. <laughs> like, okay. Have you really actually taken him into custody at all or taken him to jail? No. Well, Matt, no, I've already okay. told you they, they ran out of money. They couldn't afford handcuffs for the episode. <laughs> so they yes. just stand around and stare at him. Yeah. So Grandpa Joe does start to make some interesting points, though. This is one of those instances that got me to think, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, you can't go around making people prove who they are, who, prove they are who they say they are. And my instant reaction is like, well, yes, you can. Like, I mean, it, if I, you know, just 
go out and start telling people that I'm the president of the United States. Like, well, I mean, first of all, no one's going to believe me, but I, I mean, you need some sort of proof. Yeah, but that's like, a, I can't just go and say, hey, I'm Bill Gates now. No, but but what you're thinking there, though, that's quite a bit more extreme. Like Joe Cisco was only ever saying he was Joe Cisco. You're only ever going to say you're Matt Sonnenberg. But if everybody looks at you every time you said you're Matt Sonnenberg, go, are you really Matt Sonnenberg or are you an imposter? Well, prove it to me. Prove it to me. How are you going to tell me you're Matt Sonnenberg? Like, no, no, no. you are actually Matt Sonnenberg. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many other Matt Sonnenbergs there are out there in the world, but there's probably not a lot of you. There's probably more than you think. Probably, but not a lot. I mean, not, you know, we're not talking millions of you. Like, no, no, it's you. Like, yeah, there's not as many as John Smith. Yeah. There you go. There's one other person in the United States census wise that has my same name. It's the two of us. Okay. I feel like I should write him a letter. Just be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's up, other Brent? <laughs> so, so I get what yeah. you're saying that I'm taking a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's not a whole lot different than you get pulled over for speeding or something. And they ask for your registration on the car, mm-hmm. right? Or your driver's license. It, 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 well, driver's license and yeah. registration, right? right, right. They, they, they not only want to make sure the car belongs to you, mm-hmm. but they also want to make sure you are who you say you are. Because mm-hmm. like you, you can't just, if, if you just gave them the registration and they're like, is this you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, you have to prove who you are. You, you, you have to prove you are who you say they are, you are. Mm-hmm by giving them the driver's license as well. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not getting blood. I get it. But that, that's that's where I struggle with this. I'm like, there, there are plenty of instances where I do have to prove I am who I say I am. I have to do it when I'm driving. I have to do it when I'm voting. Mm-hmm. Like, there are instances. But I totally get Grandpa Joe's point of view, too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm saying. It makes you think. Well, I mean, Matt, let's, let's say this up front. The writers wrote this as an examination of what happens when you trade liberty for security. Uh, our founding fathers, uh, Patrick Henry, had a, you know, was Patrick, I'm going to say it was Patrick Henry. Maybe it was Ben Franklin. I don't know. It was one of those two. It said something to the effect of those who would trade liberty. Actually, I think I'm pretty sure it was Patrick Henry. Those who would trade liberty for security deserve neither. And I think he then followed it up, said, as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I, I was gonna say. I, I, I think I'm it followed. Sure that's where you're with that. I, yeah. like, that, that. That's the line that everybody knows. Give me liberty, sure. or give me death. But I figured just from the sound of it, and you going back that far, it was yeah. probably part of that same. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the the line that preceded "Give me liberty, give me death" is those who would trade liberty for security desi- deserve neither. Uh, that might be a little harsh from a founding father, but point being, this is this is a a very American concept that is woven into the fabric of our society. Of mm-hmm. What happens when you do trade liberty for security? And you know, Matt, this to me goes back to talking about why the whole world needs to sit down and watch Star Trek together. Because just as much as this was true in 1995, I want to say it was 96. Um, this episode debuted on January 1st, 1996. Yeah. With whatever was happening in the world that day, we've seen it happening here in, in the last couple of years Absolutely. here in our own time of people trading Liberty for security and mm-hmm. getting into the spot where it's, it's, you got to be scanned. You got to do this. You got to prove who you are. You got to say, show who you are. You know uh, I mean, even right now, as we record this, Matt, we are coming on the, on the outset of a, of a horrible global pandemic, you know, and, and now there's this thing that that's a debate of, 
of have you been vaccinized or not? Vaccinized? Vaccinated. vaccinated. Have you been vaccinated or not? Yeah. And I mean, nobody out there is walking around with a with a star on their chest or a, or a or a. There were not sneeds from Dr. Seuss saying, <laughs> "I've been vaccinated." Like you you don't know who who has or hasn't, but yeah. it's a thing now, you know. Yeah. Um. I, I, I mean, like that. That's the current debate that's going on right now. Right. Whereas. Uh, on the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking, I don't know if you, if you've ever done the TSA pre-check thing, not the pre-check, but I've thought about going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cause it's so good for wife, like a year or something, right? Like a year or two years or something. Every time oh, it's good it. for five years. Oh, five years. Oh yeah. Even better. Yeah. 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 My wife and I, I do that. We, we actually just had to renew ours and it's a whole process. Like you have right. to provide all these documents. You have to, you know, tell them, where you worked in the past five years, where you traveled in the past five years, where you've lived in the past five years. And they do all sorts of background checks and like mm-hmm. you have to go through a whole thing. And then you, on top of it all, you have to go once they've like pre-approved you, mm-hmm. you have to go in for the in-person interview. Sure. And, and basically what I'm saying is like, you're giving them a ton of information and you are proving who you are, proving you are who you, who you say you are. Yeah. Like, but once again, why are you doing that? It's for convenience for at convenience. that point. Right. I mean, the other side of that is for safety. You have to go through all of that to be safe. So we know who's flying, right? Yeah, so that well, we know who's yeah. here. We know who's, who's doing, we need to know who you are. Right? Well, yeah. So, so, so they, they don't have to do all those checks at the airport. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess my point being is it, it, it can go both ways. And depending yeah. wh- where you stand and and how you how you view things and like I, until I sat down and thought about it, I didn't even think about how many different times I have to prove who I am mm-hmm. that I have done it. So I don't know. It, it, that's but that's where, as you said, it makes you think because you really see both sides of this. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a legit secu- security concern. We have already seen just through the episodes we've watched what a changeling can do. And Hey, you need the, if the, if the only way to prove that you're not a changeling is to give blood, right? Yep. Changelings are such a dangerous thing that we need to make sure that we know who's here. Yep. Get, get your blood exactly. sample. It's not that big of a deal. Your blood sample can go through your clothes, Matt. It's fine. So, so, okay. Like if changelings were a thing and we, we knew what they were and what they could do and what their kind of motivations were mm-hmm. like, I think I'd kind of be in like Cisco's, Sure. Uh, I just say Ben Cisco's side and saying, yeah, we need to test for this all the time. But then two, two other things happen. Well, one is stated and one happens. Grandpa Joe tells us it's a great there line. A test that's been created that a smart man can't find his way around. Right. And like he, he even went specifically, it's like, if I were a shapeshifter, I'd suck some, some, you know, poor man on the street dry of his blood and hold on to it so I can release it on command. And that was just a frightening thought. I'm like, wait, yeah. can they do that? Like, do we know, can they do that? Grandpa Joe, why are you thinking about that? You, you didn't just come up with that on the spot. You've been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. So, hey, yeah. by the way, this also worked in reverse later on when they did the fake blood sample on That's Cisco later on one. in the show. Yeah, they never explained that. No, they didn't. But it's but I think they explained it with Grandpa Joe saying there's not a there is not a smart man that a, or there's not a test that a smart man hasn't been able to find a way to get around. Mm-hmm. We saw it later with Cisco just in reverse, like being used against him. Because yes. where did they get this sample of a changeling? That's what I want to know. Well, it, where did that come from? Like we saw it change. Yeah, because I, I I do remember when the the first time we were testing 
for changelings this way like the camera work showed us them switching the vials right Mm -hmm. and so so we had that acknowledgement at least Mm -hmm. of what was going on but yeah this it's like we've seen how quickly this blood changes into the changeling goo Mm -hmm. so like how how did it stay as blood until they needed it at that exact my my thought was i i made a note of it somewhere here but like there, like there has to be a shapeshifter in that room. I'm like, is Leighton a shapeshifter? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Cisco asks them later. They they at least acknowledge it. Hey, you gonna tell me how you fake the test? He goes, mm-hmm. no, I'm not gonna tell you how fake the test. Which may have been the the writers saying to the viewers, like, no, I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. Just believe it and go with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, like they, <laughs> yeah. They, they they had to address it because otherwise it would have been too many questions. But. I mean, that even more so just makes me think that Leighton has been in contact with the Dominion, with mm. the shapeshifters. And like, he cares more about power than safety, actually. Mm. Like, I don't like this Leighton, dude. If you want to jump into the, the A-plot stuff now, I, that'd be fine with me. But Well, well, let, yes, let's do it. But let's transition by talking about some a concept in Star Trek fandom that is known as the bad rule. Okay. Every... And I'm I I'm gonna put an asterisk next to the word every because it's possible that there's one that I've missed out there. But just about every Starfleet admiral is bad. Most of them. It's yeah. like every time we come across a Starfleet admiral, they're bad. Yep. Not always an ambassador, but sometimes an ambassador. But admirals, they're bad. Remember the dude with Riker and the Pegasus? That old Jip, he was an admiral. Um, lots of episodes you've missed before. An episode called Conspiracy. They were admirals. Uh, it, it, it's called the Badmiral. Makes sense to me. And this is what we've had. This is this is. And they talk about this. This is what the writers wanted. They wanted the whole switcheroo. They wanted you to think changing, changing, changeling, and then to go, oh crap, it's not the changeling at all. The real threat is Starfleet itself. The real mm-hmm. threat is your fear and your paranoia and what you're going to do with that and instituting martial law. Yeah. What well, we see that that's what I, I loved when uh must have been Cisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cisco got the the one on one with the the shapeshifter O'Brien. Which was and, a great scene, by the way. Yes, that was a, a fantastic great scene. scene. Yeah, when he, he just breaks it down and says, you know, yeah, there's only four of us on Earth, but look at the havoc it's caused. Mm-hmm. But basically, kind of saying we we haven't done anything yet, but mm-hmm. you're just destroying yourself. So cool. And like they, they I mean, I, this, <laughs> I keep jumping way ahead, but like by the end of this, they're like, no we are not going to destroy ourselves. If the dominion wants to do something, they're going to have to actually do something. Mm-hmm. Like if they want to destroy earth, they're actually going to have to do something. So yeah, I, it, it, it goes all over the place, but this, this episode and just the power, not only the power the dominion has, but their, their, how they view earthlings, their humans, and then the humans reaction to just the presence of changelings. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. like the reactions, but at the same time, I know it's not. Or is it? Because I mean, there, there's, there's this well, I, very real, diametrically opposed reality where both are true at the exact same time. There is a significant security threat, right? Like there. My 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 point there, just to make sure we're on the same page, was that I, I like I want to say that the human's reaction to the presence of the changelings is ridiculous. Like, Oh yeah, that would never happen. But, but when I sit down and think about it and think about 
how dumb humans can be. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no, that, that would totally happen. And whether or not the reaction is justified, I mean, that, that's a whole nother question. Like, like I said, yes, there is a huge security threat. Yeah. Something should be done, but they're always going to be those people that just take it a little bit too far right off the bat. Well, I mean, I, I think to go back to Joseph Cisco, his line, you can't live in fear and paranoia. That's the real enemy. Yes. You know, and yes. I don't think that was his exact quote, but it was something along those lines. Like mm-hmm. the real enemy is not the changeling. The real enemy is living in fear and paranoia. And if you let that dictate what you do, yes, there's a very real threat out there. We have to deal with it. We've got to do something, but to have your basis and your reaction to come from fear and paranoia, which by the way, Matt, that to me is what's so applicable to today and, and forget the vaccination stuff, forget the, 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 the pandemic stuff. I mean, we find this in everyday, usually political life of our country. Oh, there's mm-hmm. immigrants who want to come. And yeah, there's, there's some bad eggs in there, but because we're scared of that, we're going to shut the whole thing down mm-hmm. or, or, or and, we're going to make it so hard to like that. We're going to lose our identity of who we are as a country or, or as a world or as a leader that like fear and paranoia is that's the real enemy. Yes. And, and to get grandpa Joe's exact statement there, I, I cause I, I, I felt that I connected with this statement possibly more so than any other statement in here. I'm scared to death, but I'm not going to let it change my life. There you go. That's a great, I mean, put that on a bumper sticker. Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, that does go back to the pandemic exactly. <laughs> and other things. Like that- it's so many things that can relate to, like I said, in today's world. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm sure just as much back in the nineties, just as much back in the sixties, mm-hmm. just as much anytime. Right. Right now. And that's not to say that, okay, let's go back to the pandemic in the face of a pandemic that there aren't some precautions and maybe some temporary changes that you should make to your daily life just so we can get this thing under control. Sure. You know what I mean? But to long-term live your life under fear and, 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 uh, subjugation of this thing. That's, that's no way to live, you know, but, but even bigger than that, you know, I, I used to, I, you know, I was used to be scared of, Oh, what if, what if the government does this or what if that happens or what if this, and I just, I had to lose my fear of the boogeyman a long time ago. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, and not just the government, but I mean, it could be, I don't know, the bad guy who lives down the street. I have two small children right now. And, and I always like, man, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to like, I, I didn't just go down the street where I could see my parents. Like I was down the street around the corner, about two neighborhoods over playing with my friend, you know, like I was, I was out of sight. Sure. And I don't know at what age I started being able to go do that, but it was probably younger than what kids are now, mm-hmm. but this is a different world. Like, like I, I have to be more aware of where my kids are and who could possibly be driving down the road, but can I stifle them growing up on the what if, Yeah. but I need to be a good parent. Like that's, it's, it's a very real threat that's out there. And that's, that's a, that's a conversation that I constantly have with myself as a parent or that me and my wife, we have our, we constantly have that. And that's just one example. There's very real threats out there, but how much do we let it stifle what we allow our kids to do and how we allow them to grow up and being kids. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And I, and here's the thing. And I think this goes back to Matt, where you were talking about, like, you've talked about so long throughout the course of deep space nine of don't give me the answer at the end, like just sort of leave it there and let me think about it. I think this episode does a great job of not, of not giving you the, the, the answer because there are these two realities and it just shows you like, you've got Liberty, you've got, you've got security. How do you manage that? I don't know. They're, they're, they're bringing up topics. They're, They're starting conversation. They're going to let you finish it. There you go. If it even can be finished. And honestly, that's probably what allows 
these certain things to transcend time the way that it does mm-hmm. that you and I can look at our, our lives here in, you know, the, the, let's just say 20, 30 years after when these episodes were made, getting close to 30 years, 25 years now after these episodes are made, which is scary to think it about. is scary, but we find them just as applicable today as they were back then. And sometimes maybe even more applicable today, like, because they didn't answer it all the way. They just mm-hmm. started it and said, now you guys go take the conversation. Hey, can I go back to a character moment real quick though? Absolutely. That I just, I thought was brilliant when Leighton brings Cisco to meet the president, Jarish Inyo, and he's, you know, the, the president's like, look, I, d- I don't believe that there, there's a changeling threat as much as Starfleet does. I don't think it's as big of a threat as you guys do. Yeah. And, and Cisco's like, Oh really? And then all of a sudden Odo pops up because he was the briefcase. <laughs> yep. Like that's a great introduction and it's real. So I mean, good. it shows exactly what could possibly happen. But- I, so right before it happened, I yeah. thought it was super awkward that like Cisco was up at the desk. I think he had just maybe handed the president something. He handed him a then, pad, yeah. then, then he was like standing there talking, talking. And then he like tapes it, takes an awkward step back behind the chair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why did you do that? Why are you backing away from him? Uh-huh. And then it finally made sense once Odo transformed like, okay, I see. I, I mean, it, it could make sense within the universe that he wanted to give Odo space. But I think more so than anything, it was probably, Hey, get out of our effects shot. <laughs> right. right. But yeah, that was, that was definitely a good moment. Okay. Something I still didn't get a hundred percent answer to. Okay. And I think you can probably help me a little bit. The Lakota. Mm. Whose ship is that? That's a Starfleet ship. Okay. So the, we don't, I don't think we know who the captain of the Lakota was as the episode starts, but that, but that's a ship they took to from DS nine to earth. Mm-hmm. It came to pick them up, pick up uh, Cisco and Odo and bring them okay. back. Because for, for some reason in my head, I, I was thinking it was more like a, a, a shuttle or a runabout or something. That would have been far too, too long of a distance for a shuttle or a runabout. Okay. Like it really needed to be. I, I, I guess that would make sense. Cause like, I, I was just confused. Like I thought they were more in control of that ship mm-hmm. because like later on when we get into like cadet shepherd is explaining yeah we beamed up to the lakota and then back down i'm like mm-hmm. and no one questioned that like th- that's what really started to make me think like wait who's in charge of lakota and then like they took it out later to to you know up against the defiant mm-hmm. i'm like what is going on here like i thought this was their ship like i i, I was super confused mm-hmm. so the, yeah it i makes mean more sense it, it's obviously it's obviously a ship that's under the command of Admiral Layton and Admiral Layton sent the Lakota to go pick up Ben and, and um, mm-hmm. Odo brought it back, underwent some sort of refit from what we know and had a change in command because commander Benteen got placed in, in captaincy, sure. got placed in command of the ship. So they had a change in command. It went through a refit, you know, Admiral Layton put it out there. It makes sense that it was there at earth because they just brought Ben and, and Cisco there or Ben and, yeah. and Odo. I, I, I did find it kind of uh, funny and sl- slightly convenient that, like the the Lakota had weapons that no one knew about, and but the Defiant had armor that no one knew about. It's like, oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. how we're gonna end our stalemate or get into a stalemate, basically. Mm-hmm. I love the Defiant, man. It's a great little ship. Yeah, <laughs> but that ship. that that helps clear things up a little bit because yeah, I I was really confused with they just kept using the Lakota, and I'm like, how how does this work? Because for for some reason in my head at first I was thinking like Dax was on this mission or something and like she was on the ship yet and so i'm like if the red squad beamed aboard the lakota wouldn't someone have like told cisco about it (laughs) like 
what, what, like I, I, I was super confused, but I was just wrong. So it happens. Aside from how much we saw Odo shape-shifting, and we saw him in bird form, we saw him as a briefcase, we saw him as like chair or something at some point, I think. Like I was really surprised how much we saw the other changelings. Like we saw them multiple times too. And like they claim there's only four of them on earth, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if I believe, but I would, I I think if there are only four of them, I think all four of them might've been in San Francisco. I could see that. I I absolutely could see that, that they were all kind of working together, I guess, as a team Mm -hmm. in one spot. If if nothing else, like doing recon, like just seeing, okay, how how dumb are these people? Cause like, like they just seem to show up quite often. Sure. Hey, what, what did you think specifically of that moment? Like, what was your reaction when Odo goes to shake Layton's hand and all of a sudden like he links with him and he turns out to be a changeling? I mean, that's kind of what I figured was coming given the, the, like the, the musical cues in that scene. Like there is kind of a dun dun dun. Like, look what just happened. Um, But then you saw like the real Admiral Layton, like a a scene later and like, Hey, wait a minute. Didn't you just, well, okay. So they, they had me hooked a few times. Once they did that, it's like, okay, there are all the changelings here. Mm -hmm. So then they had me thinking like everybody's a changeling. Mm -hmm. Cause then later when they did like the blood test with Cisco, it's like, okay, he's a changeling. And like, everybody seemed a little bit too calm for that. Like Mm -hmm. you have a changeling in the room with you who's not Odo. Why aren't you freaking out? Like that 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 seemed weird to me. Like Leighton was just way too calm about it. Like the, if you ask me, the president should have picked up on that. Mm. It's like, dude, why aren't more people freaking out? Like if these creatures are as powerful as you say they are, like you are all going to be dead in a minute here. You, you, there's no way you're just going to be allowed to lock up a changeling. Like they're not going to allow that. So that, I mean, that seemed really weird, but then I went down the road like, okay, so maybe, he, maybe that is a changeling. That wasn't actually Cisco because they did another one of those cutaways. And it's like, we, we didn't actually see Cisco walk in there from wherever he was before. Mm-hmm. So like, maybe that was a changeling impersonating Cisco. I mean, they've impersonated just about everybody else on the show now. So I, it just gets to the point. I mean, to, to prove their point, like they can in, they can be anybody. They can become anybody. Right. Nobody's safe. Like they're not Odo. They can change into whoever they want. And apparently the voice comes with it, which is convenient. <laughs> but um, well, when you change the vocal cords morph and there you go. I, I, I suppose if that's how it works, they don't have, they don't have a view of the vocal cords though. As far as I know, they don't have x-ray vision. Yeah. So all of these instances though, where they actually have, have contact with the changelings. Like it just, it just seemed like they were playing a little fast and loose. Like I know the the dominion are cocky, Mm -hmm. but it just seemed really, really not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but I, I couldn't believe how close they like, no one seemed to like the, the threat didn't ever seem like more real for them. than like, Hey, we've been here like 48 hours and we've run into changelings four times. Like maybe we should do something. It is a persistent uh, threat. Like an actual threat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Like I said, it, it, it opens up the doors for what they can do in the future. For sure. They definitely showed what kind of havoc the dominion can wreak without even doing anything just just yeah yeah just by saying hey we're here 
and then humans destroy themselves. Like they turn against each other. Cause we're real good at that. Like Starfleet attacking Starfleet legitimately. I mean, it, it's, it's a hard thing to say that the actual enemy of this episode became Starfleet itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you gotta think about that became Starfleet itself, but it's a bad moral episode. It turns out it wasn't necessarily the changeling. It really was the real threat truly was a Starfleet Admiral who was attempting a coup on the Federation yeah. presidents, which by the way, the original script, I, I just found this note interesting. The original script actually had references to the United earth government because remember Jar Shinyo was the Federation president, not the president of earth. Yeah. Not over earth. He just happened to be on earth and it explained why the Federation president could overrule or override earth's own president, but they wound up cutting all those references just to simplify the show a little bit. They didn't want to make it sure. complicated. So yeah, Matt, you got anything else for us? Not really. Yeah. I mean, the, the episode kind of ended the way all these episodes usually do mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, talk to the followers of a bad guy, convince them not to go along. <laughs> like that, that, that's the thing. It's like, if you ever found a bad guy with an actual loyal following mm-hmm. who wouldn't listen to the good guys and would just follow their leader blindly, like might actually have some success, but it's like, no, we can, we can talk some sense into him. Do you see what you're doing here? Yeah. Worked out. All right, Matt. I think that's it. And I'll just, I'll end it saying in the end, it's your fear that will destroy you. Not these other things. All right. So Matt, I will, I will put it to you. Finally, let's wrap it up. Did you like the episode? Would you want to watch it again? Do you understand why this was part of our run? Yes, yes. And yes. All right. I mean, <laughs> this deep into the dominion. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. And where do we go next? Oh, cause this is where we're heading. All right. Get your pen and paper ready, Matt. Cause I'm about to give you our next episode. We are hopping back over to star Trek Voyager getting a little bit later in the season, doing an episode called meld. You're going to meet a brand new crew member that has oh, been boy. here the entire time. You've just never met him before. You're, you're going to meet him right now uh, in this episode. Yeah. You just haven't met him yet. Oh, okay. So, so, so they're, they're going to pretend he was on the ship the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. He's been on the ship the whole time, Matt. Yeah. There's a crew of like 57 people and yeah. I've met like six of them. Yeah. There you go. So he's been there the whole time, but man, I do have a couple of extra viewing episodes. I would like to give you as well. All right. Perhaps you will pick one of these for our next extra viewing episode that we do. Uh, The first episode I want to give you, Matt, I actually mentioned a little bit earlier, an episode called little green men. I want to make this an official extra viewing because I don't remember exactly where it was, but again, Quark and Rom take Nog to earth to enter Starfleet Academy and wind up going back in time and having to do that. You learn where the Ferengi universal translators are, which are somehow buried deep inside their ear, which is just weird, but it's kind of funny. Okay. It's like way inside. It's a very funny episode. Star Trek does comedy well, I think, when they're really trying to do comedy. There's another episode I want to give you called Rejoin. Now, in this episode, this is a Dax episode. In this episode, Jadzia Dax meets up with a the, the new host that used to be, I want to say was a spouse of a previous host of her own, of, of the Dax symbiote. So you have the two symbiotes who used to be married with previous hosts or maybe the other host was the host and it was, I'm not, I'm pretty sure it was two previous hosts used to be married. Yeah. Um, you know, of course Dax was like a a guy back then, not a girl. Mm -hmm. So now they're, now they're two girls, but obviously the feelings are still there Mm -hmm. because that's how, you know, they pass on the memories and everything. But there's this whole thing about how, like, once you get put, passed on to a new host, everything from a previous life goes away and is dissolved, including marriages and stuff like that. So yeah. they try to ignore their new their past relationships and they can't or they're struggling with it. 
This episode also includes uh, a kiss between Jadzia and the, uh, the the host, the new host. Sure. This is a, this is a. I struggle calling this a lesbian kiss, Matt, because the relationship between the the symbiotes was a heterosexual relationship at the time. Sure. This kiss though is happening between two females. So uh, on it, screen, it's two girls on kissing, screen. Yes. It's two girls kissing, which is I think how even in the nineties, Star Trek kind of. Like they were pushing the envelope, but they weren't yeah. quite all the way there just yet. You know, this would not be the first lesbian kiss on screen. Uh, there had sure. been, I think, one or two others throughout the 90s. But this was certainly a big one. This was a big, a big thing. They didn't have nearly the pushback on this one that they did, though, back when they did the first um, uh, uh, the William Shatner and Michelle Nichols, the the, the black and mm-hmm. white kiss. This didn't receive nearly that amount of pushback, but it's not enough like like the the four second kiss on screen is not enough to, to warrant, but it's a good episode. Yeah. You know, it, it's a good episode. It's a marquee episode. And it's just, it's an important episode in the history of star Trek, but not one uh, that is going to have its own. Oomph. We've already done our trill episode for the series. So there's that. I want to give you another one. That's just a fun episode. Um, Alexander Sadig, the guy who plays Dr. Bashir credits mm-hmm. this particular episode with the one where they change Dr. Bashir. Dr. Bashir comes into his own. They finally figure him out. It's an, it's an episode called our man Bashir, which I will simply say is star Trek does James Bond on a holiday. It's, it's a, it's just a, another fun episode. Uh, is it great? Maybe I wouldn't say great, but it, it's a fun episode. Uh, I'll give that to you to go watch, but we will be watching next meld from star Trek Voyager. All right. And with that, Matt, that is going to do it for us this week. On Beat Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. Hey, what did you guys out there think of this two-parter? Homefront and Paradise Lost. Email us in to beatmeuppod at gmail.com. Let us know. Or, hey, go over to beatmeuppod.com for more ways to contact us. And, hey, whatever you do, don't leave us a rating or review on Podchaser or Apple Podcast. Don't, don't do that. Matt, where can the folks not find you on the Internet? You cannot find me on Instagram or Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to not find me, I'm at Brent Allen live across all the social medias. We'd love to connect with you there as well, too. Until next time, folks, live long and prosper. Yeah.